I'm Cindy Temi. I'm Gracie May. And I'm Oloweo. And we are Frobeats. Your favourite Afropop podcast. Oh, we are mine. The ghetto. <laughs> How's everyone feeling? How are people feeling about quarantine? Quarantine is coming over. Hey, it's here, bro. <laughs> and it's not going to be lifted in two weeks. I don't want it to be lifted. I'm so happy. Like, I feel like everyone should just be at home. But <laughs> Have you seen that video see of that girl that's like, you want me to leave my house? Oh, wait. Me. For where? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I can't imagine I'm on the tube with other people in my personal space. I'm not doing yeah. it. I'm not, even if they say you can go, depending on what work says, I'm finna really believe in my yard. There's no, I'm not going. I'm not going to an event. I'm not doing concert. No. no. They can do yeah, that. I'm not going to work. I'm definitely I'm not going to work. For everything that is like not essential. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, yeah. I'm going to, even if work says that, oh, they want us to do, like, A, B. You know the A, B they, when yeah, half people, I'm not doing it. Like, really? I'm not, because what, what you're going to ask me to do is, you're going to ask me to get onto the train. Fair enough, half the time, half of the risk. But, like, all you've, all you, the only thing you've managed to successfully mitigate is 50 people in the office. In the not office, my whole the journey office. in. Yeah. So, yeah, and the whole thing fifty fifty is that they're aware that people will still get sick. So it's to make sure that each department isn't wiped out. So you're knowingly letting me come in, knowingly putting me at risk, just so that you can continue with functioning of your business when I can function from home. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think my business will even do it, to be honest. Like, I don't think they would actually... Like, they might ask some people to come in. Um, maybe, like, some of the teams deliver related to direct delivery, but I don't think they'll ask us to come in. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I don't see myself leaving the house really before September. I'm gonna yeah. let you like girl <laughs> test out the water, test, test out the, the air, <laughs> and then we come back coming coughing like you were in January. Then we'll know, innit? Listen, me and Gracie, <laughs> January. <laughs> if we knew what we know now, Gracie, we were. But well, you, you lost your sense of taste, Tebby. Sorry, Cindy, you've definitely got. You've had it. Oh, no, I'm sure you've had it. I've not had it. If I had it, but my dad, my dad has not let me leave this house. The precautions, because my dad is also on the vulnerable list, so it's oh, not a, really? it's not something that we can take game play games with, really. Like any any point in time at that beginning stage when I was saying that I was going out, where like as in, that, that's what makes me a bit concerned because obviously we joke about it, saying that we had it, me and Gracie, but the real reality is we would have. I be, I genuinely believe, unless it was a random flu, I genuinely believe that those times when we were coughing uncontrollably, and then after the um event that you did. That was the time that I would have said, hands on heart, those were the kind of feelings. And then obviously the lack of taste and smell as well. Um, was I don't great. think I caught it from during them times, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely didn't. <laughs> I wasn't coughing like you guys were coughing. You man were coughing. Yeah, it's a lot. There. And we were sitting yeah. next to each other, JJ, like three peas in a pod. <laughs> South Korea came out with a new report saying that you can't get it twice that anyone that tested negative after first testing positive it was probably like a faulty test so I'm kind of happy that I've had it because it means that my like if the virus mutates and comes like more aggressive I've already had it one time party done do you know what I mean can't wipe me out what sorry Allah, my bad. do you think that you can get a like do you think you can get a vaccine like you know how like um to 
like because this sounds like a silly question but like let me let me land so you know with chicken pox so I've never had chicken pox and I've always been worried that if I ever get it because of a child I'm gonna end up with craters in my face and I've got nice skin so I don't, <laughs> I don't want that to happen to me so I've always been like surely there must be a, something I can take like an injection and not get it or do I have to actually get it so there is no vaccine for chicken pox otherwise I think they would have included it when they do like measles mumps and rubella um your bcg um they always say that it's better to have it when you're like six and younger um, when so you're super serious so stay away from children um but well, for the, when i have my own income i'm actually really concerned about this yeah my uncle had it when he was like in his 20s and it was serious so i'm not going to say anymore because it was quite scary did it show up on his face and stuff um, does he still have scars? He's a dark skinned man, so you can't really see. But in terms of like health, like, he was hospitalized. So, oh, do you know what? It just made me think that was of... far worse than that's far worse than craters on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Changes the game, come like seal. Um, I was thinking of, um, you know, um, <laughs> I'm joking, he's a very honorable man. Um, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, Sunset Beach, um, the brother that had the mumps. Vanessa's husband. Did you guys? How were you watching Sunset Beach, please? I saw it like We were in primary school, and our parents were watching it. How were you watching it? I'm older than y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not by that much. Yeah, that's <laughs> mad. So, what you guys did watch Sunset Beach? I, uh, you know what, my experience of Sunset Beach is. My um, mom would record it because it started at like eight thirty in the morning, some stupid time like that. Random time. Oops. Yeah, it was on really early in the morning. I would be late to school religiously because my mum would wait to press the record button. <laughs> so like every morning, and this was primary school, I'd be late to school because my mum was trying to record Sunset Beach. Can you imagine? Wait, I, I did, might, I did I a throwback without going into um, too much detail, but I did a throwback of all the programmes I used to watch back in the day. Um, like going through like One on One, Mr Cooper, um, Hang Time. The tribe hang and things like that. Hang time, hang time, hanging together. Yeah, I know you like the hang time one, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> that was Anthony Anderson before Blackish, back when Trouble was still a channel. Yeah, yeah Trouble, man. man. And they saw the value in those shows there. Yeah. Like nice. Just having black people talk the class instead of having to make everything about them being black. It's yeah, good time. Yeah. It's true. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. That was nice. Those are the good times. Our children will never know what it feels like to be. <laughs> it's interesting as well. I'm not even trying to. Let me not say what I was going to say. That's too shady. Okay, cool. Should we go on to the? Should we go on to the point? Listen, I drank at the right time. We are here for all the shade. I was going to say that it's interesting, and maybe this is just based on what we actually watched. But it's interesting that all of the family-based shows were all black families. Like, what other shows were there that weren't black? I mean, Drake and Josh. That was. Uh, maybe after. after my time, but I didn't watch that. Yeah, yeah. But like, where where were the other shows? That one on one, my wife and kids, Moesha, Sister Sister, all of them were black families. But then maybe like, that's actually, to be honest, let's humble ourselves. Maybe that's just what we were watching. Because when I tell people about Proud Family, none of my white friends watch that. And I was there like, what? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. when they had a whole array of cartoons at their disposal, why would they come and watch one about a black family? But I mean, like, it was, like, what shows were there that were real people that were white families? That's what I'm thinking. Oh. Um, around that time. That wasn't, like, home and away and, like, drama. It was just wholesome family shows. Sunset Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not gonna lie to you, I've never really watched TV like that. So unless it was like EastEnders at Christmas or the Black Friends. If you anything about Friends, they're friends. Safe by the Bell, they're friends. Right. Yeah, oh, Safe by the Bell, fair. Yeah, yeah, fair. That's one. Turtle, she was black. Yeah, She's yeah. Still- and wait, is it who's the one in America that that voted for Trump? Was that's that's the Turtle. Oh, oh, okay, yes. Fresh Prince was a black family. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like every... But then I also don't know if that's just what we were watching. Like, maybe there were... Maybe there was a version of Fresh Prince that was the white family. And One on One and the Parkers and all of those other... But I also think... Yeah. But maybe it's because there was bare spin-offs. True. Hakeem from the Parkers was so fine. Unfortunately, obviously, he was but... He was a fine brother. Is he dead? Hakeem. Yeah. Who? Wait, who's Har- which one's Hakeem? He was um yes, he is, he is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was what? Dark skin one, Moesha, 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 Moesha's ex-boyfriend. Before was it before or after Q? I can't remember. Q is fine as well. Was Q the dark was the Q the bold one? Q was the light bold one, and then Hakeem was the dark skin brother. I'm, I'm going to have to Google it. And do you remember it was so sick when you ended up being in Sister Sister because it was like, oh my God, you're in like two prime time shows at the same time. Yes. <laughs> that <laughs> when we, the one that cameo. Who's the way on Sister? She was in a programme. She's so annoying. Um, And it was the buff girl um who turned out to be a drug addict, actually. Funny, not funny, but interesting because <laughs> this week on Twitter was that lady that had gone through the series of um, interviews at different stages in her drug um, addictions life. But there was a girl on, um, I don't know, if, I can't remember what program it was, but it had the Wayne sister and LL Cool J. Yes, and he used to roll up his leg in that show, I remember, and they would- In the house, in the house. In the house, that's it. In the house, yeah, 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 yeah. Was Wasn't so he like a nanny? Yeah, like her, her carer. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He was buff. Oh, actually, she saying that, that Melissa and Joey, but Melissa and Joey is something that came out so much later than all of these shows. And it's basically a reboot of In the House, just with white people. It is, yeah. As soon as, and because he's he was an American football player as well, wasn't he? Yeah, she's exactly the same story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow, that's a good uh, memory uh, down memory lane. Yeah, it's true. Let's get into it. Gracie's uh, she's showing us time. All right, right. Cool. So, what have you got for us this week? Simpson, what you got for us this week? Oh, me. What have I got for you guys? All right. So this week has been an absolute disgrace on Twitter. Um, it has been literally the absolute ghetto. Um, if you guys aren't on Twitter, stay away from it. It's not worth it. Instagram is a very family wholesome place to be. Stay there. As for Twitter, <laughs> the streets, the streets is wild. So Anyway, I'm going to start with more of a probably a lighthearted topic, which spiraled into control, but that will lead on to the other topics we discussed in this week's episode. But um, we're going to talk about 30 pound sprinkle cake. Guys, so you know me, I am a foodie. I love baking. I also bake as well. Um, I don't play with carbs. Um, so once I see something, I'm also automatically inclined to try it because, you know, it's kind of the thing I do so I can be cool. There is this um, brand that um, has got a 30 pound sprinkle well a sprinkle cake let's not talk about pricing points very popular a lot of um popularity over social media all the cool influencers and socialites seem to have tasted that cake obviously i am not cool enough because the email that i sent hasn't been responsible to but it's been a couple of weeks but it's fine anyway the question i had actually funny enough in that email was how much the the cake was and how does one um source it a couple of days later 
thank God for Twitter, eh? Twitter comes out with the price of the sprinkle cake. So the sprinkle cake apparently becomes, is 30 pounds. Now, Black Dimensions, Twitter, please. That, it that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I think it was the shape of a laptop. You know your standard cake sizes that Gracie is exhibiting the dimension. <laughs> this size. This size. <laughs> Cupcake. Found- <laughs> Don't get cancelled. Um, no, I think it's the size of a standard uh, laptop size, which is equivalent to your standard trays that you get. Not in Nigerian house parties or parties because they're quite big. But anyway, standard silver foil tray. Um, anyway, and then so one girl tweeted, um, uh, why is, <clears throat> sorry, one girl tweeted, why is it £30 for a sprinkle cake? I swear it costs like £5 to make. Now, obviously back and forth, I am a business owner and I understand the effort, sweat and tears that goes into businesses and you do not charge for simply what you put in. Now, he had... Um, come back at that basically saying and a lot of people to his aid and defense saying you know the same thing along the lines you don't charge for what you make there's also a a premium that you add on top and think of overhead costs yada 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 makes sense right my question is whilst um i'll ask you guys just a quick one whether you feel that that is expensive for a sprinkle cake or do you see the value in that or and why is it that we often or do we over scrutinize when it comes to um I will focus on black businesses without having to take it down there again. But when it comes to black businesses, do we over scrutinize the prices um, when it comes to their products and services? Who would like to go first? I can go first. Okay. Go. Okay. So uh, your first question was, is 30 pounds too much? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 30 pounds is too much. Um, the reason I think 30 pounds is too much is because, um, it's a tray cake. It's a tray-based cake. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not. It's not got layers. It's not like you. You made the cake. You then like sliced it in half. You had to do the finesse. You had to put the jam, and then you had to put another cake on top, and then you then did sprinkles. It and this is by someone that like I bake, but you know I don't bake bake. I'm not Cindy Timmy, but like I'm trying to say that. <laughs> yes, um, I'm. I'm just saying that in terms in in terms the grand scheme of things, like you you make you you mixed a load of stuff and poured it in a tray and then put sprinkles on it. That's, that's, that's not 30 pounds. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine what sort of overheads that includes unless we're trying to, we're literally trying to pay for um, not even just the electricity, but every single product you ever used in order for you to ever be able to make a cake ever, like maybe even the fridge. Yeah? Um, but like, <laughs> I just, I think 30 pounds is too much. Like, I mean, if you were to, how much do they charge in Sainsbury's? Okay, so this leads on to the second question because now you have gone on to compare it to Sainsbury's. Obviously, we're talking about a young black boy who started a business from this home, his own home. And one thing I actually do commend about him, despite the fact that I haven't got a response yet, is the fact that I am so here even more so for our brothers because when um, one guy, the the seafood lobster place in that place I like, I mean, Gracie, did we go? We were meant to go. Track kitchen, yeah, young Ghanaian guy, like especially guys, I don't know what it is about them and just going into business, it really, really fills me with so much joy. And especially when there's passion about it, I don't care what it is, it's the fact that you've taken time out to build a brand, a business, the fact that you hustled literally from your own home, often your parents' kitchen and you met like, you fed like thousands or loads of people anyway. So that for me is just like, you know, kudos to him. He started his business, he saw what the market like and we are gassed by it, we like it. But I think more, 
obviously to compare it to Sainsbury's and the brands that they stock, we can't really do that because they have a bigger platform. They have a wider production, lower And they have machinery to make their cake. Exactly. And to be honest, it could be like a starting point for him where he may, you know, as he grows bigger, we may eventually see the price in, I don't know, drop if it goes into into production but whatever as far as we are we're here now we're at the point where he's charging and we're going to focus specifically on the sprinkle cake because he does have a range of cakes which i believe a lot more skill and effort goes into like his rum punch cake or something which looks amazing i guess i wouldn't even know how to put that together without the whole thing being mushy but let's just talk about the simple okay or not so simple sprinkle cake um and i think so to finish so i completely i hear your point in terms of Price comparison. I guess that leads on to your second question in terms of, like, do we over scrutinize? I think, I think there's two things. So how I saw it in terms of how does, um, how much does Tesco charge or Sainsbury's charge was that I'm not, I'm not expecting someone that's a startup to st- try and match price match Sainsbury's because it doesn't work like that. It could never happen. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't expect you to be double the price of Sainsbury's because that's that that would be my estimation as to how expensive it is currently because I just don't know feasibly how how um i guess just how that um how that can work like in terms of a client base and so on like how are you actually reaching out to people to buy 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 and it looks like this guy's done amazing things because obviously there's lots of celebs that are buying his cake and so on and so forth so it's pushed his it's pushed his market rating up and so on but the reality of it is if you're starting out like can you really charge double and someone buy that that would be my question that wouldn't that wouldn't be how i would that's not how i would start my business i would start the other way I'll start in a way where I'm making enough and able to sustain, and then I will increase my price based on the fact that people now know my product and it's established. I wouldn't I just, come down backwards. And just to cut in, we need to obviously explore the avenue that, you know what, he is very popular. So maybe that may be a way of product control in terms of what he's able to produce. Because at the end of the day, if you price something at a higher price, you're also trying effectively to manage the production. Because in, I don't know if he's thinking like this, but this is how I would mm. think. If I know that so many people, because it is very, very popular, that could also be why it takes longer to respond to emails. So you must want to put a higher pricing point, which makes it only accessible as quote from somebody on Twitter. For those that can only afford it, they're not the ones with the problem. As far as I'm concerned, I can definitely afford £30 for a cake, but I'm just not paying that because that's not my price. Yeah, out of all of the cakes that I can pay £30 for, it won't be a tray bake. That is, that's, actually, that's actually the reason why I think it's too expensive. It's not because I can't imagine that blood, sweat and tears hasn't gone into it. I just think for the value of money, I can get something else. Do you know what I mean? And to me, I, that's not how I would price. But to go on, because I know Gracie wants to speak. Your mm-hmm. second point in terms of do I think that we price, we um, we go in too much on like blacker in products in terms of pricing. I think that it's the idea. I, I think we do. And I think it's natural. Now, the reason I say it's natural is because I feel like when someone is making, because we are the community, we essentially know how to make the things that someone is making, or we assume it can't be that hard because you're making it, which is which. the second half of it is wrong. The is first it? half of it is how I think prices are kept competitive. Because the idea of it is that if someone is going to charge me 10 pounds for rice and peas and curry go, I know that I don't have to, I don't have to pay 10 pounds everywhere. So I must be getting something glamorous for that price. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if I go onto a road where everyone is charging £10, I'm paying £10 for a salad, I'm paying £10 for Ethiopian food, paying £10 for Nigerian food, like one of those areas like Lower Marsh, I should expect them to price that much. Do you know what I mean? Like that makes sense. Whereas on a local corner, like on a local shop, 
I don't I because I can make that the the nat the natural inclination I think of black people is that you'll be like is there food at home <laughs> because ten pounds is a lot because I can go and I can make it for ten pounds myself and so then it becomes like I think we undo our own service industry because we ask that question and because we're always like there's food at home you then to some extent don't want to invest in the labour but I also think some places do make you over invest too much to be honest like it's a balance is black people um as and i can't speak for the race but to speak for the race we don't have a lot of brand loyalty. like we will only really spend big big money for like the balenciagas the gucci's the the established brands if we're walking mm. into tesco and there's like five different types of like tomato sauce that we're going to use as a bolognese base we're not really looking at is it dormio is it this is it that we're looking at whatever's cheapest and will still taste nice so when mm -hmm. it comes to your target audience for these sprinkle cakes you have to bear that your 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 target audience's spending habits in mind when you're pricing now what you said um cindy about it you know maybe putting it here at a higher price point because it's more luxury or he has a brand name or whatever is is fair enough or managing the the cost loads of production or, right. mm -hmm. But in reality, and this is always a controversial topic when it comes to black business, am I supporting you because you're black? Or am I supporting you because you're good? And mm. if I'm spending double just because you're black and not necessarily because, like you said, it, it requires extra artistry or the flour was imported from, I don't know, Macedonia, or like you said, the cream was hand-whipped, then being black isn't enough for me. Now, and especially because if it's a if it's a celebratory cake where they start from like 70 quid upwards, well get like you're giving Which me icing. Mm -hmm. Right. What happened to pay for? You're giving me, you know, have you seen those like um I call them messy cakes where they throw like Oreos and they've got like sweets spilling off and it's like drip cakes mm -hmm. and ah 70 quid on call. Birthday, yeah, your birthday is once a year, but sheet cake, sprinkle cake, which I could consume one once a week <laughs> while we're indoors. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's excessive. And again, I, I'm always struggling between do I support you because you're black or support you because you're good, and rarely do the two meet. That's it. Okay. Okay. No, that's a very interesting point. The point you make about like you did say something about supermarket brands. Often, I feel like it's okay. We do do that in supermarket brands, and that's when we're not dealing with black brands. So why can we not do the same when it comes to black businesses? Why does it always? Why is the spin? Are we scrutinizing our, our black brothers and sisters when in reality, sometimes you just want to go for a cheaper option? But I will round it up. What I will say is that um, obviously a lot of people have said that it's nice and we do there's that culture around there when someone says something's nice. But with all these cakes and decorations, um, aside of his one, I'm going to take his one out of it. Like there are many businesses out there where I've seen that on their social media handles that their cakes look absolutely amazing. But in reality, when I've seen normal people buy it, Mm, no and i've also heard that a lot of some of these actually no they will take it that's fine um, no, no, no. <laughs> no 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 that was cancelled this week they were like well you know should people were saying you should have cancelled her from a long time by the way because oh. that person and i'm not gonna i won't focus it on her because it's not really her that people have the issue with but recancelled because definitely earlier in the year or potentially the end of last year the same thing that we were talking about came up again and then they, they scrutinised the business. People um, were saying that people should have cancelled her from before outside of her views because her cakes might look cute, but they're dry. And at the end of the day, 
cake is for eating okay <laughs> we're looking at it's true agreed um but yeah no all in all like kudos to um a shout out specifically obviously i'm you know i'm here for the black brothers especially and obviously our black brothers and sisters that are doing bits in terms of um you know products and services but i feel like yeah for me personally i think that the 30 pounds can create was overpriced i haven't necessarily tasted it myself so maybe there is a secret ingredient in there and like you said maybe the flour is from macedonia so until we have actually sampled it you know shout out sponsor the throw beats crew i don't <laughs> Um, we can't really speak on it but it's not to do with us not being able to afford it I think that's just such a lame excuse and people need to broaden their horizons um, but yeah follow Taste with Temi on Instagram for food Instagrams and tray bakes hey hey alright cool I'm going to move it on and actually in line with two of the things that you said Twitter being a lawless place and um, black men and what we think about some of their movements um, Ooh, <laughs> this week um, see what I did there. Um, this week, there's been a lot of conversation about. Um, you would have noticed that um, essentially a lot, a lot of us have been prompted to go and delete our tweets um, from the past. I don't know about you, um, but me, I went through and actually, Temi told Temi and um, Gracie both showed me a, a, a much easier way. I decided to scroll through all of my tweets back to 2020, 2012, and That's read fine. them one by one rather than search keywords. What a mistake. It literally took me a whole evening. Anyway, so um, the reason that people have been prompted to essentially go through all of their tweets and delete the past ones is because someone somewhere on Twitter decided to just go for and find the find some of the crazy tweets that people had tweeted back in the day and just post them wherever they could and erupt Twitter in terms of conversations about individuals and their new views um, and so on and so forth. It went everywhere. It made a lot of people had to post apology videos and so on and so forth. Now, we don't need to talk about that because I think that's been that's been done, that's been handled. Um, what I took from it, however, was it just felt like there was a lot more, um, it felt like the females were getting a lot more flack than the girls, I mean, than the males. And, and I was reading through it and I was watching the apology videos and I was seeing that I wasn't seeing any videos from any of the men that had tweeted things that we didn't agree with. I, didn't, I wasn't seeing like public apologies coming from them and so on. I just felt like the females really felt like they had to do something. I was wondering what that was. So my question for you guys is, um, because a, a lot of the conversations, if people don't know, um, was essentially about race. Um, it was about how people viewed black people, colorism, lots of different angles to it, but really at the root of it was race. So my question is that, is it more acceptable for black men to date outside the race than it is for black women? Who wants to yes. go first? The answer is yes. yes, it's more acceptable. You know what? I'm going to spin it differently, though, because initially I feel like a lot of black people have very negative uh, connotations when it comes to this conversation. And rightly so. A lot of it is based on colorism. A lot of it is based on racism. A lot of it is based on mixies, lighties or whatever being preferential, even if they're not the cutest. And I will, but um, I will spin it on its head and say that the YouTube culture of the last 10 years has allowed a lot of interracial couples to receive the limelight where the woman has been black and the groom or the husband has been white purely because of this intrigue or this um, fetish is not the word I'm looking for, but genuinely fascinate. fascinate. Thank you. The other F word. People are like, <laughs> what has driven this black girl? who is very black, because a lot of the girls that have popped in their interracial relationships haven't been the quote-unquote coconuts that you would expect, that have bad synthetic wigs, that live, I don't know, somewhere remote, that perm their hair to a crisp. They've usually been like, quite... <laughs> <laughs> They've been quite effervescent 
like normal, normal's not the word, but typical black girls. And there's been interest mm-hmm. into like, how did you, of all people, manage to come and yeah. not just date this one, marry this one, you know? And um, where did you like meet him? Where did you find him? Yeah. In fact, the scrutiny is 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 different because when it's with a white man and a black woman, they're like, especially a lot of the African American let me just say african-americans they're like oh look at the slave master situation ship um 200 uh years uh later you're still in the bondage or your great-grandparents would be ashamed of you or whatever it is they spin it um but i think the scrutiny people i just feel like people are more vocal when it comes to the footballers and things because they are at a pedestal in society where people aspire to have their luxury life and it seems as if when they come with their mixy or their lighty or their light-skinned counterpart it's because it's more like a trophy. Whereas with the YouTube generation, it's more like, oh, these are just people that have laptops like me, cameras like me. Um, and the scrutiny there is like, you could have chosen anybody. Why did you choose them? So yeah, I feel like we both get scrutinized, but at different angles. At different angles. Cindy? Um, yeah, no, I was gonna say like, obviously there was a question off the back of whether it's more accept, whether it seems more acceptable for like the guys and obviously as Gracie said, yeah, like we do tend to see it more. Um, I often do see the scrutiny more on the black men when it comes to like different races, but also at the same time, I also see a lot of gaslighting when it comes to that. And often it comes from, from what I have seen anyway, black men in comments. So I'll give examples of like the Shade Borough. For example, they will tweet somebody's girlfriend. So most recently they tweeted a picture of Notes Free's girlfriend and somebody in the comments, the first thing I saw was, oh, just wait till the black girls get a load of this. And it was just like, (laughs) first of all, she's a very pretty girl. (laughs) And it's just like, it's why are you gaslighting something? It's like they almost expect to be scrutinised. So I'm now starting to think, is it them in their minds where they believe half of it, actually, because obviously it is very public sometimes, but is it them that they believe there's a difference between just dating your preference and there's also dating your preference, then putting other people down um, that are your same and similar kinds. So I feel like that's where you can kind of like maybe draw, see a difference um, in terms of whether or not it becomes more acceptable. In terms of like, so I proposed the point offline, I was saying that where my preference is dark dark skin men, like I really have a thing for dark skin men, is that now- Tell them again, say it, say it slowly. We've got- <laughs> we, don't, we don't know if that's colorism, so I don't I don't really want to know, but get at me, 075. Um, but like, it's a thing where like, I just naturally, and I don't want to play the controversial card because sometimes I feel, there is this big, big, big discussion, which is slightly beyond me because I don't really like to get into politics, but it's like, why can't people simply have preferences um, in the same way if I say to you, my preference is black men and um, specifically dark skinned men. But if a if a black boy said his preference was white ladies or if a white man said his preference was white ladies, why is that more of an issue? Especially not not especially if they just it's just the thing that they said. It's not coming from a place of they have hate from another race. Grace has a, an answer to that question. But the I feel like is sorry, the re- or the answer that I've seen uh frequently online is why is that your preference and so when it's a white man white woman no i know but when when it's a white man saying a white woman and that's his preference it's because of proximity and culture or maybe you haven't you've had limited interaction when it's black Mm. men saying the same thing though they're like oh it's because colorism has taught you to prefer the light skin or the white woman as a trophy as the ultimate prize Mm. and has taught you to 
hate yourself, hate your mother, hate your sister. Those are the arguments that people have. Yeah. Whereas when black women say about black men, it's more seen like, oh my God, black love, black king, black families. And that's where the connotation is different. I was just going to answer your yeah. question. Go ahead. And I think just to, just to go on, on Gracie's point, I think that's exactly the thing. Like, obviously we've seen multiple debates about can you be bro, pro-black um, and marry white? And so on. And I feel like if you were to answer that question, if you were to ask that question honestly, I feel like the majority of people that will say that you can will be men and women will say no, that you can't. And the reason I think that this happens is because of the whole idea of nurturing, because a woman is the one who is going to give back birth to a mixed race son or is going to give like or a black son. And so the reality of it is that for a woman to further and believe in the idea of of um, of. I forgot what the term is, but in in terms of for a woman to further and believe in that idea, like they're so rooted in the belief that I have to give birth to someone black, that it means they have to be with someone black. Whereas a black man sees it as though, or is able to more, more able to see it, that he can, he can further his, his roots through a mixed race child. Does that make sense? I feel like nurture and nature are, are important there. But anyway, go on. Very good angle. Yeah, very good angle. That, um, okay. Yeah. So, okay. am, I, am I a colorist then? By saying I prefer darker men to... I don't think so. Mm. I think the question is always, but why do you? And why, would why? it block you? Um, like, if, if a white guy, as in the polar opposite of a dark-skinned black man, approached you, would you shut him down purely on his skin? Or would you give him a chance to try and get to know him? Fair enough. That's a very good point. And I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like I just, I like good looking men, but my angle is I'm often seen the same way. And I'm going to compare it to cakes and food. I don't know if I can do this. You will see a palette made by some one person and you'll see a palette made by another and you are instantly drawn to the presentation of another. And that is generally how I feel about darker skin men, the presentation in terms of just what I find them more attractive. I don't know what it is. They get away with the most shit. Ooh. Um, but yeah I just generally find them more attractive and it's not but it doesn't mean and that's the difference I guess that would lend to the argument because it does not mean that if somebody of another race came to me I would not openly see if there's a chance for me to get to know them because I actually just like good looking people uh yeah but back to Ola's point about nature versus nurture when you're asking why what causes that instant attraction if you will is it that you've been that black men are stronger, they're more authoritative, mm. and that's what you feel like you need in your life? Or no, like, I d for me, personally, it's not, I don't think it's that. It's a good angle to explore, because that is that is the real question, but I don't, I don't think, I'm really not that deep. I don't think I'm thinking of it like that. I just feel like it's just, uh, there's, it's just my preference. I don't know. Maybe I deep like down inside. The argument is there is always a reason for preference, that it's yeah. it, there is something subconscious, wh whether it's nurture or nature, and most people think it is a nurture thing, that in nature, if we're all human, um, it, you should equally be attracted to everybody. But I don't know anyone that is. So yeah, because it's if you if you think about it in terms of the idea that you like, it, it's also like like to use like the I guess the um, the psychology of it. Like people always say that you want to marry essentially your dad or you want to marry your mom and so on and so forth. And right. like someone that acts like these people, um, Karl Marx, right? I thought it was Freud. Yeah, Freud. Freud. No, you're right. You're right. It's Freud. Take that out, please, NKB. Um, <laughs> so Freud. Freud said that. Um, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of it, like if that's the case, how can you marry someone that looks completely different and probably acts completely different? 
Does that make sense? And so that's why I think it then comes back to the question of, but why is that your preference? Because we were, we are expect, expecting that something significant has happened to you for you to now feel like that is the case. And I do, I do, sometimes I do really feel for black men in the fact that they have to justify, they have to explain and so on and so forth. But I also feel like they can't, in the majority of situations, they can't explain. Now that seems like I'm speaking for the race and I'm speaking for all of them. Um, but I think sometimes when I view it, how I see it is that if we really deep it, like we in the, in our community have such a, such a, um, we're so, we're so quick to notice when someone hasn't been raised by a father, when like people are in situations where like it's a single, it's a single parent household. It doesn't happen really in the white community. Like, like Shanice is single. Do you know what I mean? Like Barry left. It, it's just the way it is. Whereas with us, we would be like, oh, it is. Oh, he was a useless man. He went and fathered another, a father. He had another wife, and all of this. There's so much more context that we want to bring to the conversation of the fact that really men are men, and sometimes they don't stay. But in the black community, and in or in the BAME community, like, I feel like we really do harp on the fact that the man is useless. Does that make sense? So I think because of that, we then attribute the idea that you've not seen a black man in your household. Um, so who are you then looking at? You're then looking at the football. You're looking at fixation because it's based on culture and religion that the man is the head of the home. And I feel like in other cultures, they're either more um, maternal uh, or, or matriarchal, I should say, or there's more of a balance in black communities historically and especially in religious um, community, mm. whether it's Muslim, Christian, whatever, the man is supposed to be the centre of the family, which is why I feel like people harp on about it so much because it's like, well, your family's not complete if you don't have a heart. Sorry, as you were. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. But I think like because we attribute to the idea that you didn't see you didn't see a man growing up and because you didn't see a man growing up, therefore you look to who you can see. Your role models are the actors, the football players, the basketball players. And then you look at all of them, all of them then don't have black wives. And so to be it, it sort of feels like we answer the question for black men without actually allowing us them to tell us. But why do so many of them have none black? Like, nobody has answered that question. You can't just tell me that all of them have the same preference. Why? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It goes back to that. But I feel like if you think about it in terms of how generationally things happen, like let's think at some point in time, Ouroboros was the thing. Then it was skinny mini. Then it was thin waist, fat back. Then, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> realistically, we go through stages and phases. Like, maybe that was their stage. And now because that was theirs, it now is actually infecting the way the men of this generation see it. Or maybe actually because it's something that you weren't expected to be able to have and you now got, you got it. So now it's even more rivaled and it's like, I want it because I know I can go and get it. Or maybe it's just because black men get a lot of attention nowadays and they never used to. And so they're living it. Like there's so many angles to take from it, but could it, like, I feel like we, we sometimes only look at the angle of the idea that Black men have decided that they just can't be bothered with black women anymore. And I think that's wrong, personally. Nice. But that is me. Um, those are my thoughts. Those are your thoughts. All right. So, <laughs> on the third topic, this one is a little bit deeper. I know, you know, talking about colorism is quite deep. Um, and talking about scrutinizing black business is deep. But this one takes it a step further. So, this week, Tanzanian superstar Diamond Platinum came forward to say that he is going to be sponsoring the rent for 500 Tanzanian families for the next three months. And it got me thinking, wow, oh my God, you're so amazing that you have enough wealth to be able to do that. Kudos to you. If you imagine in every household, there's probably like six to eight people. So, you're genuinely directly 
helping thousands and thousands of people, not just through music, but through actual means, obviously amid the coronavirus. Um, but it then went on to the conversation about, is it his place? Should it be the government? Um, should um, other wealthier countries um, be, you know, increasing their aid and things like that? Um, but the question I want to ask you, ladies, is we've seen our parents send money home on a month basis, month to month basis. Um, Nigeria specifically says that the most aid they receive um, is from the diaspora. My question to you guys is, is it our responsibility? Just to add to that fact, meanwhile, it's only 0.7% of the GDP of some countries that we're even sending back. So the idea that diaspora are contributing more and everyone is screaming, oh my gosh, how can we be um, contributing towards them? Like the reality okay. of it is that they're not contributing anything at all. But anyway, wow. and realistically, that- we're, paying, we're paying more in the fines of our debts. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> and I hope. <laughs> um, Okay, let me take the conversation on a bit more. You lot are, I don't know why you're hesitant, but it, no, no, it kind of conversation. I'll just quickly say this point. It brings me around the conversation around, you know, when you look at um the elderly in our community and them going to live with their children, as an example, um, a lot of times when you have those conversations with people outside of the community, the question is always, is it your responsibility? Why don't you just put them in a home? Mm-hmm. So that there's a lot of things that come with culture and tradition. And um, yeah. Is it our responsibility as a diaspora or even as a younger generation to support people at home and the older generation? Um, I'll just jump in there because I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I definitely feel like as by virtue of our culture, it automates, automatically makes it our responsibility. And I feel like, why would you not want to carry that on as a legacy? I feel like where you see um, scenarios where people are very quick to place people in homes, I it just takes away from me personally. I just feel like, Unless, of course, it's a situation where you just generally cannot cope with the situation. I feel like given what our, gen- our, fa- our parents and our grandparents have done for us, I think it's only right to kind of give back to them. Obviously, we won't ask to be brought into this world, etc. But I feel like by virtue of culture and just it's very frowned upon if you were to do that. And I don't want to compare it to like other races, um, but you see like within the in- Asian community, um, they're very, they're very, very family orientated as well. And I believe that yeah. to an extent that we are as well. I feel like especially mm-hmm. our older generation, I don't want us to kind of lose that being in the Western world. So even like speaking to like um, uncles, um, older people within our say older people, but like, I just feel like, yes I would say because I'm very like deep rooted within my culture that it is our responsibility. And I feel like by, yeah. is it, it it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's unfair. I feel like as Africans, I do believe Africans always go above and beyond, sometimes even above their means often, which could be perceived as unfair for somebody not really looking at the situation objectively, if that makes sense, because you may be putting yourself in a position where you are stretched in terms of resources. And I feel like even the whole sending money back home, you're almost allowing people back home to believe that you are automatically in a position to keep doing that because you are always sending the money back home when in Mm -hmm. actual fact that is not always the case but by virtue once again of culture we continue to do that because we are kind of we're almost given back to the people as a country the people our family that have raised us to kind of be and I feel like we will always feel almost obliged to kind of do that if that makes sense um but yeah, like, I, I've, is it fair? It's not unfair. And I think that you can do what you want, but you will be looked down upon. <laughs> yeah. So I've got three points. Um, so one, culturally, I think it's correct. I agree with Cindy. We shouldn't lose that element of our culture. 
like we do we take care of one another and we see life as the whole life cycle like when you when you become um a parent and you've had your own kids you don't go and you don't just go and become who your parent was in another area and forget about them like they are very involved in the upbringing of your child realistically when you go to work you drop them at their house and um like you're if you are fortunate enough for your grandparents to be around they are part and parcel of your life realistically and you when you're growing up as a child you see them getting older and older and you learn to respect your elders more in terms of how you support them through that do you know what I mean like that's part of our part of culture we shouldn't lose that like the idea it's not even the idea that my child will put me in a home like that's not what I that's that's not the thing that I'm worried about it's the idea that my child didn't see the value of still having me around in some way shape or form that outweighed that benefit versus the discomfort of me being there because I feel like we 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 desensitize ourselves from like that person being there ba- based on how it's making us feel. But it is the same way it was your parents' responsibility to raise you, me culturally, and I think we should continue to believe it's your responsibility to support them when they're older, personally. That's the cultural one. Um, two, I think because culturally we do that, I think the gov- government capitalise on it by then as a result, not doing what they should. So similar to what Cindy was saying in terms of like, you send money home. And so it then sort of makes, when you go to Nigeria, people are there expecting you to give them shoes, bags, everything, because obviously you have money. (laughs) Yeah, without realizing that you have been working however many jobs to make sure you could send that back. Do you know what I mean? That, That element is there. But I think what that does is that from the government's point of view, realistically, Half of the roads that have been repaved have not been repaved by the government. There's someone going back to their town. It's the Yemi Alladays going back to their town and repaving the roads of where they grew up mm-hmm. to say that you shouldn't have to break your ankles to get to school. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's them giving back to their communities. And that's, that is essentially how Africa works. So I feel like the government as a result, they do utilise that. They go, there's certain things that they decide not to invest in because they know that if someone makes it, they're going to come back and do it themselves. Do you know what I mean? Um, or they blame the fact that maybe Ogun State should be the one responsible for that. It shouldn't be us. We gave you a budget. Go and go and do. Does that make sense? The third point, though, which counteracts the second point, is the idea that, and this is why I was on my phone, I was making notes, is the idea that we're not in the position of the West where we have a wealth, welfare state. The rich do not contribute to the, to the taking care of the poor. So actually everything is on the government's shoulders. The rich man in the um, G-Wagon is paying exactly the same amount of petrol, amount for petrol as the poor person is for the Danfo bus. Does that make sense? And so the reality of it is that there is no way that their wealth can actually economically come back to the poor. And I feel like the government do what they can Mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone can sustain. So like, obviously they subsidize oil prices so that it can be, it's accessible to everyone. Do you know what I mean? So oil is really low. They could charge so much more for it. But they, if they did, then the Danfo driver can't work. Okay. And then, so they 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 play around in their well, means. And subsidize like it because of the oil production in Nigeria, not necessarily because of the poverty line. But then, I mean, if you go to other countries in Africa, oil is also very cheap. Total in Zimbabwe, very cheap. And they don't produce it. So it's like across the board, I think they're trying to work to make sure everyone can use use it. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. then also, I guess the counter that point sometimes I think about it in terms of as much as we criticize Nigeria for NEPA the reality of it is that the people like everyone is paying the same for electricity rich poor and so on now the rich have to pay more money to live in an area where there's consistent electricity but then 
um, or you have to buy a generator and then you have to pay for fuel. A poor person is paying the same amount but can afford the fuel for the generator because they have subsidized it. So in reality, all of it to some extent economically does work for everyone's good to make sure that the rich person is at least still paying more. Does that make sense? Like Mm. in the grand scheme of things. But I feel like because we don't have a welfare state, they have to put measures like this in place that we don't really understand, that we can't see tangibly to say that they're trying to support. And what they should really be looking at is taxing the rich so that we can better assist the poor. So far as it goes to the poor, because there's one thing taxing them and then the money not even getting there. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we, corruption is a very big problem in general, but <laughs> we should also be taxing the rich so that we can support the poor because welfare states don't exist. We essentially rely on our families in Africa. I think there's a couple of things that off the back of what both of you have said, including it doesn't really hold the government accountable if they just know that a lot of the revenue that is pumped into the economy is from outside sources. So mm-hmm. um, there's no accountability. Um, I think the flip side to that, though, is, well, actually, no, I, I guess uh, in the same, I guess, negative vein, I feel like a lot of people here, similar to what you said, Cindy, break their backs, work three jobs just so that they look like they're wealthier than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also means that there's a perception of the UK and America being like the land of gold where money's just handed out and people mm-hmm. flock to economies and flock to these countries as opposed to looking at how they can better their economy and their country themselves like it's always outward looking like how can I get to the UK or how can I be more British or how can I be more American as opposed to like owning the identity of being Nigerian which is why you have an array of accents (laughs) with every Nigerian you've ever met hello hi but I I actually think I think that that is something that the likes of I do agree with that point but I think that we did do that to ourselves. I don't, yeah, I don't think the rhetoric... Don't, 100%. It's the Oxfam's... It's the Oxfam adverts of two, <laughs> like less than a dollar a day and all of this nonsense that went on for 30 years of advertising before they started putting healthy kids on to show what you had done over the last 30 years of mm-hmm. healthy kid drinking water. Do you know what I mean? Like The reality of it is that 30 years of that bad advertising is the reason why people are trying to run somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I agree, but I also feel like if if we can, as is diaspora, continue to prop up um, families at home in an unrealistic way, it can cont- it perpetuates the idea that everywhere is better than Nigeria, as opposed to and yeah. Nigerian people are proud. Nigerian people are proud, but are they proud of their country? Not necessarily. It's more proud of their tribe, or proud of their state, or proud of where they're from. But well, proud of their people right. as a people. Yeah. And the tenacity and the spirit of being Nigerian, as opposed to being a Nigerian in and of itself. Um, I think the other thing is I've seen a lot of um, my friends that have come over, as in they were born there and they and, and they've um, migrated here, that literally break their backs. Are doing support work at night. Are running two jobs in the day, three jobs in total, just to make ends meet for those at home and then when I look at what the what their family members are doing at home those guys are not that they're chilling but they're definitely not working round the clock yeah and actually yeah. back to your point Cindy when is it enough like I've supported you for a year two years five years you know these are the sort of conversations you have with your fiance and they can cause a lot of issue because I don't mm-hmm. believe you sending that much money home as an example when does it end when does it mm-hmm. end and I guess my last point to that is um, we've been given a responsibility as a diaspora. We've managed to make it out, if you want to call it that, um, to stay connected with our roots, but also to bring knowledge, power and revenue back. So I completely appreciate that. 
I think the question is at what point do we decide, okay, um, we, we've done enough and it's now up to Nigerians to fend for themselves is not the word because we're still Nigerian, but when, when is it the time for natives to really take the power back and be like, okay, cool. We're closing the borders to everyone, including the diaspora. And we're yeah. going to make it work on our terms with our money. And if we sink, we sink. And if we swim, we swim. But at a point, we just have to be able to try and do it for ourselves. Um, and, and that's the conversation that gets me in a lot of trouble all the time because a lot of people don't think it's doable. But I think it's necessary. Mm. Yeah. That's the end of my topic. I just feel like on that point, actually, it's an interesting point. It's just like, how much better off are you now by not doing it and risking it and then seeing the benefits of if it was to go to plan or just to continue yeah. to stay in the state that you are and just to keep essentially floating? Because um, I just want to quickly talk on kind of like the response that they did in Nigeria, for example, the whole COVID move movement. Initially, when they decided to make everyone stay at home, whilst I saw it was a, just a plea to kind of mirror what the Western world were doing, there's a big difference in terms of what the Western world did for its people uh, in comparison to what Nigeria did. They initially had said that their aim was to kind of provide packages and support for people that are relying on the fact that being out and about is what brings on their income. But when it really came down to it, there was not that support. We were seeing images daily of people robbing armed burglars, even sending um, letters to home saying that you are going to be um, burgled at this point in time. Like, it's just, I think it's really the government that needs to be changed or um, maybe people. It's a mindset because you take out the government and yeah. place them with equally as corrupt people. You get yeah. a Because I think, I think it's also... Sorry, oh, I'll just a person with integrity in, and that there's a coup because the yeah. money that, that they've been siphoning off for the last three presidents is no longer available. And then they make up, they fabricate yeah. stories about you not having your NYC paper. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, 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 and yeah, finance yeah. minister about how they made a whole story up about her not having her papers because she was trying to stop corruption. Oh, okay, we're not going to talk about that. Sorry. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the other point on that is also like um. You have to think about it in terms of, um, like, oh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, uh, why I make notes. What was your question, that. Cindy? No, I was going to say, Gracie, who's the person that you said that they made up papers? They, they're missing The ex-finance minister. She was a woman oh. born and bred in London, went over a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and the loophole, if you will, is uh, oh, well, well, where she was pinned to to hang was that apparently she didn't have her NYC, her youth court papers, you know, to work in Nigeria in any public um, uh, government or public space yeah. as a civil servant, you need to have done your youth service. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But apparently if you've done your degree and you've done all these things um, and you've like, I think she, she qualified with like the ACCA or what have you. Um, mm. Apparently all you need to do is conversion exams. And that's what she did meaning she didn't have to youth court, but apparently somebody somewhere was like, no, everyone that is in civil service, that is leading, da, 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 um, as a true Nigerian should have done, gone through the, all of that jazz, okay. she's not Nigerian enough, how does she know how it works? And everybody was on her neck and she was forced to resign. There's more to the story, yeah. but those are highlights. Yeah. I remember what I wanted to say. So the point um, I was going to make was essentially, I think something, like it's basically, essentially what Gracie's saying in terms of culturally, you have to think about it in terms of like, you need you need a whole you have you need a whole mindset shift you can't just change the government because the people the people would also like whilst i completely believe that nigeria wants less corruption i don't think i don't think i think there's too many institutions that rely on it 
that will mean that even if you were to change everyone in the government, it would be too hard for you to actually implement it. It has to start from the bottom up. And the problem with that is that the reality of toilet roll being the thing everyone was fighting for over here is mirrored by armed robbers over there, like trying to make a quick buck. It's the same, it's the same thing. Like people selling um squirts of hand sanitizer for one pound versus me, me like putting something through your door saying I'm, I might be back at seven just <laughs> just so that I could maybe make a quick buck like it's just a different it's a cultural narrative that's different but that is the reality of that country but when we think about the MP scandal they were expensing rent at the house they lived in as well as their um holiday or their country houses because they could get away with it as mm. people in the world not just Africans yeah. we push the envelope try and see what we can get away with mm -hmm. the reason yeah. why um, the, the, the health minister was caught at her family home when it was supposed to be locked down is because she thought she could get away with it when you yeah. look at nigerians who go um where i don't know the local state government has decided to put power in um, a part of a town and you you have people risking their lives to cut electric cables because they want to be able to sell their generators it's because they're doing what they can to f first of all further their business but mm -hmm. to see what they can get away with yeah, As yeah. people, man, we have black hearts. But, yo, that's the end of my topic. Let's round up this podcast, fam, because time is I think the last thing I would say on Gracie's point is that, and also Nigerians are just, they're just... They're just wow when it comes to things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like they're so they're so creative. Yeah. They're so creative in terms of pushing that boundary. And like, fun that innovation into more technology, into more right. art, into more businesses. You would be the wealthiest people in the world. Yeah. But and however, we always do it with what can I get away with in a negative way? I'm gonna keep cutting until somebody notices. I'm gonna keep stealing until so oh, don't get me started. I also think there's too many of us. Like we've said the stats before. One in five Africans is a Nigerian. The reality of it is that we're just hearing way wait, too wait, often. Wait, just... Black people across the whole world are Nigerian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've said the stats before. So it the reality of it is that we're consistently, we're consistently in a position where it's like, oh, um, like you're hearing the bad stories and it's probably a Nigerian. But let's let's wrap it up there. Um, cool. Okay. This has been fun. Um, so this week... Um, week nine or whatever week it is of quarantine and um, we've been discussing 30 pounds for sprinkle cake uh am i supporting black business or am i supporting the trade um black men dating outside their race is it more acceptable for men than it is for women um and also is it our responsibility to upkeep um our home countries um, by sending money home or should the government do more uh let us know what you think um, we'll be posting this on Instagram. It will be on all social media platforms as well as all of the podcast platforms. Get at us at Frobeats and let us know your thoughts in the comments. It's been sick. Thank you, ladies. It's been real. Happy quarantine. Happy quarantine. <laughs> <laughs>